If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. My God, Andrew, is that CBS's college football music? It is, and there's only one major story in sports media, college football and TV. There are some deals on the horizon for more than $1 billion. We're all over it next. And we're back. The Morshan and Orion Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Morshan, sports media columnist for New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal, and the guy who got this all started uh, with a big break on Monday with the first rule of the Marshall and Oran Sports Media Podcast. If you have a big story, break it before the podcast. So John came out with the story that ESPN looked like they're out. Now they officially are, are out of the Big Ten negotiations. It's going to be uh, Fox uh, at that noon window, uh, 3.30 CBS. And then at night in prime time, NBC, so much to discuss. John, first off, great job by you. Andrew, I've been following this thing for years, literally reporting it for the past several years. Today feels like Christmas Day. Let's get started. I can't wait to talk about it. Let's do who's up and who's down. Who's up? Who's down? All right, John, let me take it first. Uh, My who's up is ESPN. You say, wait, how is ESPN? Who's up? They're the ones who are the outside looking in. But I think when you look now at their SEC number and you compare it to CBS's number, to NBC's number, uh, they're looking pretty good because they're going to be paying for that 330 window, the SEC top game, which is the top playing conference out there. Uh, they're going to pay $300 million a year for that. We both reported now that CBS is going to pay around $350 million. NBC is also expected to pay about $350 million. So I think ESPN looks pretty good. Now, you know, the counter argument um, and why these are good deals for them is those bigger markets in the Big Ten. But look, things might change with NIL in terms of who are the dominant teams, but there are a lot, there's more depth right now in terms of SEC football. And ESPN is going to be able to look at the chessboard each week and say, we want this game at 3.30, want this one in prime time. They're looking pretty good at that number, which is still a substantial figure at 300 million. My who's up, Andrew, it is Brett Yormark, who is the new commissioner of the Big 12. And the Big 12 is sitting pretty. The Pac-12 is coming out with its rights first. The Big 12 is going to come right after it. But, uh, but by all accounts, the Fox still wants the Big 12. ESPN wants the Big 12. Look, ESPN leaving the Big 10 or the Big 10 leaving ESPN, however you want to spin it, depending on who you're talking to, they're not leaving college football. Uh, they have deals going well into the 2030s with the SEC, with the ACC. They have relationships with the Pac-12, with the Big 12. College football is part of their DNA. College sports is. They're going to be aggressive in trying to keep the Big 12 and the and the Pac-12. I giving Brett Yormark my who's up. All right, let's move to who's down. I'm gonna go first, and John, my beloved Amazon. 
Wait, that was my who's down. No, that's my who's down. Andrew, on this on this pod, we're supposed to play characters. You're the pro Amazon guy. What's going on here? Amazon is a big L for like, <laughs> Amazon. All you people listening, they love the podcast. They love listening because I have, I do like their plants still overall. So we're not fully broken up. Still gonna have a package come to my house every single day. Don't worry, uh, um, Jeff Bezos. I'll, I'll still keep you in business, but. This is a big loss for them. Look, look again, the deals aren't finalized, but if Amazon's, we, we both don't think they're in. I just thought the Big Ten worked perfectly into what they were doing. If they could go Thursday night football uh, in the falls with the you know NFL, Michaels and Herb Street feels big time. Friday, locally uh, in New York, you got the Yankees. Saturday, a Big Ten game. Now, yeah, maybe they get in on the Big 12 or the or Pac-12 Um the problem with those conferences for those conferences, first of the Pac-12, I don't see it. They've already had, they've already were disappointed because they were in no man's land where they screwed up this whole thing and, and didn't do a major deal with Fox or ESPN. So I don't think they're going to go to Amazon or Apple. I'd be surprised unless the number is so crazy. Um, and, you know, Amazon's been disciplined. They're not just spending crazily, uh, but I do feel like this is something that would have worked out perfectly for them. And I would have overpaid if I were them. So Amazon, we are still friends, but uh, you know what? <laughs> if you Listen, if you have a relationship, sometimes you got to say some hard truth. And this is a big L for Amazon. Uh, surprisingly, they did come in aggressive. It's not like they they uh, they went in with a, a poor bid. Not aggressive enough, though. My who's down, Andrew, is Kelly Sheffield. And who's that? Kelly Sheffield is the volleyball coach for the University of Wisconsin. Wait, what? Has, what did this poor guy do to you? He has been especially vocal about supporting the sport of volleyball. He thinks volleyball needs to be on linear TV a lot more frequently uh, than it is. Uh, he is uh, especially jealous of women's basketball. He thinks that women's basketball does a really good job at marketing itself, supporting itself, and as a result, you have uh, established linear television networks that cover women's basketball in in, uh, in, in college. They don't really do the same for uh, women's volleyball. Um, on ESPN last year, there were six women's volleyball matches that were on linear television. I think it was four on ESPN2 and two on ESPNU, or I might have gotten that reversed. Uh, the year before, there was also six. So there's not a lot, but Kelly, get used to Peacock. Or, or, or the, uh, the idea that you're going to move off of ESPN onto CBS, NBC, and Fox and see more linear coverage for Olympic sports and women's sports, I think is a folly. You're right. I, I do think there's, like we talked about last week, there are opportunities for those sports if they're seen. And I, you, there's no way, even if people pick up Peacock, that they're going to be watched more by non-hardcore fans. Let's get right into the topics. It's the Big Ten deals. You gave the overview early on. Uh, the biggest winner out of all of this, to me, is Fox. Fox executives, uh, Larry Jones and Mark Silverman, they really took the lead at, uh, at negotiating these deals with, with, with all of the media companies. They're bringing in a windfall for the, for the Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten is poised to be the first conference to make more than $1 billion per year in media rights revenue. So it, it's, it really sets the Big Ten up with the SEC as the two biggest conferences, the have and the have-nots of college. There are two halves. It's the SEC and the Big Ten. 
no doubt about it. So let's just get right into it. We did it. Who are um, you know, who's up and who's down? Um, when you look at this, um, who else are your winners here? Uh, when you're when you're looking at uh, what this means for each of these networks, I'm going to start with NBC. NBC played possum uh, for for the longest time. I didn't think they were very serious. I had heard that their early bids were really tepid. Uh, it didn't suggest that, that that they were being very serious. You know, they already have the Notre Dame game that goes in there and now they're going to have a big 10 so they're going to have notre dame leading into the big 10 on a, on saturday night uh, and then they have the most watched prime time telecast going on what are we at now 11 years running on sunday night with a with sunday night football and they have on the weekends they're going to have a really strong lineup in addition to that the one main streaming part of this is peacock Peacock is going to have some, some exclusive games. I can't imagine it's going to be, it's certainly, it's not going to be Ohio state, Michigan, but they're going to have some exclusive games. And I can tell you as a Maryland fan, if, if that exclusive game is Maryland versus Indiana, I'm subscribing to Peacock. I'm going to get, so, so it kind of gets, that's the whole point of streaming. It gets into these really passionate local fan bases and gets them to, to, uh, to, to stream those games. So for me, NBC coming from nowhere to get what I think is a really good package because I've been told ESPN's deal did not include direct to consumer on ESPN plus. It was a strict linear television deal. So, you know, NBC was able to do this for Peacock, which it needs to build and is trying to build. Peacock was my who's down last week for goodness sakes. So that's, I have them as up. How do you see NBC, Andrew? Yeah, look, I think you're adding programming. The question is, you know, with the, the Peacock, issue is that I don't think you like when you add like a one game here the one game there that can annoy people right like I, I we've talked about this with Amazon and, and it will like, annoy people absolutely yeah, with the yeah. yay so and again maybe they still get your service or are you going to teach people not to watch all your games you know or do I find a way to watch that one game that's on Peacock now we have to see how it all shakes out and what the deal you know totally um is composed of but um but that's the one question I'd have, because when you just give a little, like what they do with like soccer, for example, with the Premier League, you know, they're basically making anybody who wants to watch all the games, pay them twice, right? Little NFL playbook here, pay us the same thing twice. You got to have Peacock if you want to see your teams play, and then you have to have cable because some games are going to be on USA. And so, I mean, that's a strategy. It's not very customer friendly strategy, in my opinion. So I don't really like that. In terms of the primetime game, here's the thing. It is great to talk about this is like a new setup of this is a triple header. I mean, there already is a triple header going on right now. I mean, will it seem a little bigger if it's on Fox and then CBS and then um, NBC? Yes, that does feel better than kind of like, where's this game? There's a game on Fox, there's a game on ESPN, there's a 3.30 game someplace, and there's a game at night. But it's not as if there weren't a triple header of Big Ten games already going on. If you look at the schedule this year, how they're going to be placed in, it just – it does sound a little sexier when it's on broadcast TV and it kind of has that NFL model that their commissioner, Kevin Warren, who was in the NFL for a long time that he wanted. And so it does feel that way, but I'm not sure it's that different uh, than what we're seeing now. And here's a problem, a uh, potential problem for NBC is that they're going to have the primetime game. That primetime game is not going to be Ohio state, Michigan Fox Fox has the number one pick most weeks and it has a noon window to fill. So all of a sudden you're gonna have the second and potentially third pick in prime time 
going up against, let's see, ESPN ABC has a has all of the SEC games uh, going up uh, that night. So when when as we're going to do, start to compare the ratings, even with the bigger markets, you know the Big Ten might suffer because it's going to be really interesting to see how ESPN counter programs, given all of the sports that it has with the ACC, with the SEC, and being able to go through 3.30 and, uh, and prime time with, with those games. Well, they like controlling all the windows. I mean, that's why, you know, we have a bunch of topics here, but let's just go to one that you know, a lot of college football fans want to understand is what's next um, with the Big 12 um, and with the Pac-12. And, and, you know, where is that going to shake out and what we see? And so when you talk about ESPN with the SEC, they obviously they love now that they own all the SEC. There's no sharing. There's no giving CBS the top game. And then they get to figure out the rest of the, the calendar on a Saturday. Instead, they get them all. So when you look at uh, the Big 12 or the Pac-12, if ESPN especially can own all that inventory and be able to have games when they want it and schedule out it perfectly uh, so it fits for their platforms, you know, that makes a lot of sense. That's why I kind of see ESPN as a leader. Um, the question I have, and this is really where – we're kind of where we kind of, you know, collide with, you know, the people who cover college football is that will there be more teams that are and universities that change conferences? And I look to Arizona and Arizona state, and I think they're kind of the kingpins right, right now. Do they go to the big 12 or do they stay in the pac 12? And I think that will shift things because I think one thing that we, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think it's a little misunderstood, right? The idea that we're going to be, create like the NFL of like two leagues, like an NFC is the, you know, SEC and then the AFC is the big 10, whatever you want to look at. It doesn't really work. Like, so we have an Oregon, for example, like does the big 10 really want Oregon? Like, does that help them? Does they're not going to bring in, it's not like um, these networks are going to pay more money for Oregon. Right. So you're splitting the pie more, right. Maybe there's some, you know, escalators, but they're not going to, they don't, they don't bring in another full share or more money. The one team that does that is Notre Dame. And that's where really kind of this moves to next. People talk about the Notre Dame deal and you, you, you had a number, you know, last week, I think it was, what was it? 75 million. You said that they were, uh, that, that was a number that, that, uh, had been floated oh, yeah. out there. Dennis I, I forget who floated out there Dennis and, and we Dennis thought that sounded CBS. low. Yeah. yeah. Then it's not for CBS was the one who had that number. If you're looking at how much these games are going for, then Notre Dame should be by itself in at least the 100 to 200 million dollar range and maybe even higher when you're talking about seven games and so you know do they move to the big 10 you know that's the the big question they do have an agreement with the acc for their other sports you know so they're kind of the next they're really they're like the kingpins of like they can decide things or do they still continue on their own and just take you know the money in for themselves and not share when it comes to football here's what's so difficult about handicapping the big 12 in the Pac-12, uh, despite the fact that I had Brett Uermark as my who's up, is that we're not done with realignment. There's still some schools that are gonna move. The Pac-12 Pac wants to add schools and, and the Big 12 is looking around as well. And it depends on what schools go where. And, and uh, that when that happens, then all of a sudden that, that's gonna inform uh, what ESPN bids on it. That Let's say that the Pac-12 keeps its teams and raids a couple of Big 12 schools. All of a sudden, Brett Yormark is going to be a who's down, and uh, George Klikhoff Kle is going to be a who's up. We don't know how that's going to happen. 
Well, and here's the thing. So let's move back to the network side of it, okay? Because, you know, we're moving around, but there's a lot to this topic, right? I could have gone Fox Sports, I think, as my who's up. I went ESPN, coin flip for me, because I think when you look at this, like, and, you know, this is kind of, I think I was, um, when this deal went down, I wasn't covering sports media at that point, but like when they got the Big Ten network and, you know, worked this deal where they're involved in the negotiations, um, whatever, the other networks might not like it. It's brilliant. So it's a great move. Totally. It was a great yeah. move. They, they've held all the cards. And so like, you know, they're the big winners here, right? Like we don't know what their number is, but I think it's kind of a co- complicated, like, will they be paying more than the 350 if they have the number one game? Maybe. That's what's so fascinating about it, Andrew, is like they're going to be paying, but they're paying themselves because the, the, uh, the Big Ten net Network is the entity that controls these rights. And the Big Ten Network is 60 percent owned by Fox. So so uh, so they're 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 going to reap in that windfall. This the the uh, more than one billion dollars per year in rights is not going to be divided by 16 uh, uh, Big Ten schools. But Fox takes a pretty big chunk of that. Yeah, you know, it's something you just said, like, we're talking about this, this is, you know, amateur athletics. And I just think the idea that there's 16 Big Ten schools to me is still never going to be not funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's athletics. It's not academics. Big Ten and 16 schools. And how many schools are in the Pac-12 now? And yeah, it's us. Now, the streamers. Um, I have Amazon as my who's down. Apple um, didn't seem like they're really involved. They want to sell subscriptions. That doesn't work. I do think there's something long-term that we should discuss. Um, we're going to have Michael Nathanson next week. We're going to do a big um, discussion about the state of media, a little bit different for next week, um, what we're going to do. So we will get into that with him. But when you look at Apple and Amazon, boxed out now for a while, right? That's the thing about this ESPN. No? No, no, no. Well, that NBA is coming. Not, you see, people, that, are, that, people are just listening. The, they don't see him. John's yeah. nodding like I'm wrong. What, what, what do you want to say here? No, the NBA is coming up. That's a big kahuna. No, no, no. Right? no but I'm talking about college football. I'm talking about college football. Now, they could they do a Pac-12 or Big 12 deal? Yes, but with all due respect to those conferences and their, their major conferences, but they're just not at the level of the Big Ten or the SEC, and especially since they got rated uh, for, for their top teams. The idea that they're going to take over, you know, and we've, we've said this, they're not taking over tomorrow. You know, maybe one day uh, that Apple's just buying all your sports through Apple and their subscriptions, but these networks... And these leagues are kind of boxing them out for a while. Like we're going to be doing this when this happens, you know, if, if they're ever really the dominant, if Amazon or Apple is the ESPN or Fox sports of, uh, of sports media, uh, we're talking 2030s, mid 2030s to late 2030s at their earliest. It's not happening today. Uh, here's what we know about Amazon. And I, I, we both have reported this out. They were involved heavily in trying to get big 10 rights. Their, uh, their executives have, have told us privately that they really wanted to get uh, a piece of the Big Ten. They came forward with a bid for the Big Ten that uh, was described to me. I don't have a number on it. I don't know if you do, but it was described to me as particularly aggressive uh, that they wanted to get out there with. Um, and they didn't get it. And this fall, this is it's two times a trend. Yeah, we're both journalists, right? Uh, this is the Oran. This is like the Oran principle of streaming. So I will give you, if this is accurate, what you're saying, this does go to your theme that you've gone with that they can't get stuff that they really want. For the Formula One, they bid more, and Formula One decided they wanted the reach provided by by a linear, linear television network. I just don't understand 
Amazon has such deep pockets. Like, what, I, I, I almost want to see their business case. There's no chance they're making money off of the, the Thursday night deal. It's, it, it's, it's about a retention uh, Thursday night football deal with the NFL. This is about retention and bringing in people to, uh, to, to see Prime. Like, they didn't bid it, they, they bid a lot, but they didn't bid enough. Why wouldn't you, if you're Amazon and you can literally buy and sell Disney if you wanted to, you could buy and sell the, the, the Fox as well. Why wouldn't they bid enough to get these rights if this is important to them? Where, why did they draw the line where they drew the line? I don't actually have an answer to that because they're losing money on it anyway. Is it like, okay, we can only lose X amount? I mean, they're a company that just doesn't do that, you know, for the most part. They try to win those deals. Now, I, you're wrong about the Thursday night package, right? I just think you're fundamentally incorrect about what that brings to them um, over time. It's a long-term relationship, and where we are today will be different than where we are today. By the way, I'll, I'll, I'll totally cow to you on that. I, they're not making money off it uh, next year or, 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 yeah, or the yeah, next exactly. year. But, but the long-term investment, you want to be in bed yeah. with NFL, you know, NFL might do, looks like probably maybe ever if they announce it, Sunday ticket with uh, Apple and maybe their, you know, NFL media goes to Apple. So if you're Amazon, you're, you're feeling pretty good. You got to be in Thursday nights because the NFL is king. Uh, college football is probably second in terms of viewership um, and importance in American sports television. Um, so yeah, that's a big, to me, it's a big loss. And I, I don't, Apple, they're, just, they're interesting. You know, um, they're just, they're, they're just sort of, do kind of their own thing on their own little island. I feel like Amazon's a little more mainstream, a little more like is with the gets with the picture. And I'm sure Apple's sitting there like, yep, this is what we do. We just come into markets and we just change them the way we, you know, put our thought process as long as it takes. We eventually win. Uh, I don't know if it works in sports media. It's a little bit different ballgame than than technology. Yeah, it works in sports media if they're able to get deals like they got with MLS. Yes, but you can only get that with MLS because, I mean, people were, the numbers I've heard, I don't have confirmed, like, it, they were so much lower than the $250 million that they got from, that Apple paid MLS. Yeah, I mean, the money, certainly. But my, my other point is that they don't view themselves as like a, a linear TV network that's going to share a package with a couple other people. They need to own everything. What good thing are you going to own everything? Like, yeah, are they eventually, yeah. like, in, let's just say, all right, so... Baseball is up in 2028. I think, you know, it's a, they have a long-term deal. So we're a while away, but is, do you have any feeling after almost a year of Friday night baseball that Apple one day is going to have all of baseball? Now, could they have some sort of regional sports network thing going? No, I don't know. Amazon's already building with that, with the Yankees and what they've done. And it just doesn't really work because the teams are valued too differently. Like I don't see the um, incentive for teams like the Yankees or the Mets, et cetera, to work with the pirates and the rays in terms of uh, like sharing revenue in one service. I mean, again, they'd have to figure out some sort of system and maybe it goes there, but like the Yankees, Mets, et cetera, need to make much more than the teams that uh, don't have many, you know, nearly as many viewers. Yeah. I think that's why we struggle so much with Amazon and with Apple's like, what is that business plan and how does that business plan grow uh, over time? And it's, it's, it's tough to see. But you, you mentioned something about Amazon being fiscally disciplined, financially disciplined. And I, I don't disagree with that necessarily, although the, the, the bids, I, I'm told, were big. Maybe I fell into ESPN spin too much, and I, I, you may be about to mock me, but this is about the third or fourth deal in a row that ESPN 
the free spending ESPN to me has shown some financial discipline. They they paid of all the the, the uh, TV networks, they paid the the, the uh, lowest um, percentage increase for the NFL, while everybody else doubled. They were uh, ESPN's increase was only about you know thirty percent, still paying more than than the other networks. But they they showed that they uh, weren't weren't going to uh you know uh, double the money, MLB. You know, they just turned and walked away from MLB. That's how Apple uh, ended up with the, those packages. I mean, I, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, Champions League is out there right now. And you don't hear ESPN sort of like running around bidding, trying to bid that up. They're showing a, 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 a bit of financial discipline that I hadn't seen, certainly when John Skipper was there and, and, and predating John Skipper. You can't have everything. I mean, that, I mean, that's the number one thing. And the not the scary part for the other networks, but all right, ESPN doesn't do this. All right, where do they put this money? You know, they, like they could, right? Like, you know, we talked about this. You know, I do feel like Amazon and CBS for Champions League, but ESPN could say, you know what? Let's, you know, put that money into Champions League and we'll add to our soccer portfolio, which is strong, but would be even really strong if they got cha- Champions League. Um, so I think you can make a case. So like, what do they do with that money? And, you know, this one also... I know that like I've talked to people, there's no real bad blood that's kind of been talked about in terms of between Fox and ESPN. I think everything's on the up and up there. I don't know if there's like behind the scenes bad blood. There was kind of a feeling that maybe Fox and the Big Ten wanted to go elsewhere and not, you know, maybe wanted the, you know, CBS or or NBC a little bit more than they wanted to do business with ESPN still. Yeah, Andrew, all of my reporting totally agrees with you on that. Behind the scenes, Fox and ESPN are getting along fine. Uh, I'm told Fox actually wouldn't have minded, maybe even wanted ESPN to, uh, to get a package that it was inside the Big Ten that views ESPN very much as being um, identified with the SEC, and they they didn't want to be with uh, they, they they were willing. I don't want to say they didn't want to be with uh, ESPN, but they were much more willing to leave ESPN because of that association with the SEC and 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 uh, join up even more so with Fox. All right, let's finish off with CBS. Uh, they had one of the great deals of all time. They're paying the SEC, what, $55 million forever. Um, they did make a little bit of probably a mistake by not, um, where they added a couple of teams, they probably should have renegotiated, extended that deal, and we wouldn't be talking about this, and they'd have a sweetheart deal. Uh, they could have kept going with that. Instead, now, they're going to pay $350, whereas ESPN's paying $300 uh, for those afternoon games. They could argue with their bigger markets, but the SEC um, on the field has proven to be a better you know, package in terms of the best games. Now, uh, the Big Ten rates well, uh, you know, uh, we've seen that with Fox, et cetera. But uh, where do you see CBS, you know, how, how they did in this? Yeah, I feel bad for CBS because I know that that is a narrative that's out there, that they're paying more for the, you know, for, for the B package. Well, you feel bad for them. All right, correct the record. What's wrong? Well, if you go back, you know, uh, can we get a violin? Hey, Chris Mason, can we get a violin music underneath on as he says this? Go ahead, please put that under. Here's the violin music. (laughs) So if you go back, the the SEC wanted to they wanted to go to ESPN. They they brought in CAA. They brought in uh, Nick Khan was working on on those negotiations. And and if you know, like they they were if you read the tea leaves, it was highly unlikely that, C, uh, that the SEC was going to allow its one package 
to be away from ESPN. Why not go totally with ESPN that's doing the SEC network and doing everything else? And so I, I get the narrative there that, oh boy, they should have paid up for the SEC. But I, 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 my prediction is, my pred pred prediction for what didn't happen years ago is that if CBS had paid up for it, they still wouldn't have gotten it, that the SEC was going to walk. All right, fine. All right, we can stop the violin music now. But I think they could have done, done it years ago. I think that's where the mistake was made. Andrew, let's hit a couple more topics because it's not all Big Ten. It's actually a very busy sports week uh, for, for August. You broke a story. You actually interviewed Pat McAfee about working with Omaha Productions and Peyton Manning. Walk us through it. I just think it's interesting. You know, they announced it first that McAfee is going to do six alternative broadcast Manning cast with his crew, basically um, big games on ESPN two. And look, I had reported earlier, Amazon has had interest in McAfee for Thursday night football and a variety of things. ESPN talked to him about college game day, never really gained too much steam um, to him to do some things at college game day. Those things he told me aren't totally dead, but, um, but he's going to do, you know, Manning, um, you know, Omaha Productions. And two things. Number one is, you know, Peyton Manning can close deals. And that's part of ESPN's calculus in teaming up with Peyton Manning. Uh, they're paying him a lot of money, but he can close deals. Uh, and I think in this case, McAfee told me that was important. They were teammates, of course. But I just think Peyton can, if Peyton calls, people are going to call him back. You know, like, you know, all these people who are the chairmen and presidents of these networks, they can get most everyone to call him back, but there's just a little bit difference when it's Peyton asking you to do something as opposed to an executive who, you know, wasn't one of the great quarterbacks of all time. I gotta say, I love McAfee. I think McAfee is one of these uh, newfangled stars of video. Like, you know, we're used to sort of old time linear television stars. Uh, and I think he does very well on television, but he has a popular podcast. He streams, he's, uh, he's active on social uh, what he does with the WWE seems like he's gone a real non-traditional route toward I don't want to say television stardom but just just kind of stardom that uh, that that I just think is unique. Definitely, and if you look at it though, he's kind of has the modern media alignment, his own little conglomerate. He has direct to consumer, free with YouTube and all his social channels. Uh, then he has a paid component with Sirius XM, which is where you can hear his audio uh, if you're in the car, et cetera. And then um, he's on broadcast TV with Fox and now he'll do cable with ESPN. So basically has all those revenue streams. And when we talk about the you know money from FanDuel, the 30 plus million, that doesn't even count the bottom line from SeatGeek and every other advertising that they do. So he's pulling in a lot of cash uh, for him. All right, last topic before we get to Jason McCourty, Fox Sports names, Moose Johnson's number two game analyst, not a surprise really. It makes some sense. I mean, he and Joe Davis, um, not probably the most exciting team, but with Tom Brady in the on-deck circle, possibly next year, Greg Olson on board too, who'd slot back to number two. You could see why they went with the chalk. I think they considered Mark Sanchez as well. In my mind, if Brady stays and plays another year, next year, if they think Sanchez now two years as an NFL analyst, he's worthy of being the number two, they can move him there next year. But they went with kind of the easy choice with Moose Johnson. You did a Twitter poll this week asking your followers, will – Tom Brady ever be in the booth for Fox Sports? Uh, I voted yes. How did you vote on you on that one? Yeah, I think he'll be there next year. And as you're saying this, I'm looking up for the results. Of course, I have like three thousand tweets to uh, find this. Uh, 
Yeah, you've been uh, a busy oh, here we go. leader so, this week. All right, a year from now when Fox puts out his NFL announcing cruiser 2023, will Tom Brady be on it? Yes, 33%. 33 No, no 47%. And the always popular Get a Life Marchand got 20%. So <laughs> Get a Life Marchand, that's actually pretty low for Get a Life Marchand. So people really think uh, Tom Brady's going to continue playing. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's turn to Jason McCourty, uh, the new member of Good Morning Football. All right, Jason McCourty joins us, NFL champion with the Patriots, a win 16 with the Browns, uh, had a long career, was a six-round draft choice, then uh, had a stellar career, um, and uh, we're glad you could join us, now a member of Good Morning Football, you can also do uh, some college football games. Jason, thanks for joining us. Oh, appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you. Sorry for mentioning the 0 and 16. I just, uh, I just was trying to tell the audience there's a lot of variants that you got to deal with, and you really know about the highs and the lows of the NFL. Yeah, you got to go through adversity sometimes to get to the other side. So there's a part of the struggle uh, to get to the mountaintop. There you go. Life is not a linear line, right? There Jason, you, you go. Are a, uh, you're, you're a Rutgers alum. Uh, went to Rutgers today. All we've been talking about is the Big Ten and the Big Ten's uh, TV deals. Do you like Rutgers being in the Big Ten? Uh, I, I like it because of what you just said, what you talked about, the, the TV deals and the money. I mean, it, it's, it's tough. I would have loved to have been in the Big Ten when we were back there playing. We had Ray Rice in the backfield, uh, Brian Leonard, some of those guys. I think Rutgers, uh, in, in the years with Shiano back now, we're going to start to see that linear line that you just talked about. Hopefully it starts to continue to increase and we can get some more Big Ten wins. I mean, you're you're a Maryland guy yourself. So we're both at the bottom of the Big Ten. We got to work our way up, up the ladder. Uh, we have a bright future, man. Come on. Uh, let me ask you, though, could you imagine when you were playing at Rutgers, could you imagine not being on ESPN or not being a part of ESPN? No, not at all. I remember the, the time or two we had game day show up to the school like that was just such a, a big deal and you were able to kind of brag about it and be fired up about it. So I, I just feel like that's a part of the college experience. Now you move into, you know, your playing career to sports media. You know, I heard, and we said on this podcast that you did really well at the NFL boot camp. probably made you some money there, Jason. So, um, you know, what's the reason? Andrew, are you going to give your Venmo out right now? I want to yeah, exactly. just, just, just send it to me. I got you guys. <laughs> All right, what, what, so you know why why'd you hang them up why'd you want to get in the media you're going to begin up at 5 a.m that's a, it's a pretty you know i mean i'm not sure you tell us what time you're going to wake up every day give us your like rundown of what you're thinking in terms of your transition here well i'll start with your first part i remember so you guys said that on a podcast so my brother sends me in a group chat with both of our wives he's like hey listen listen to the to the first 30 seconds of this video and see so I'm listening. I'm like, all right, you're going to be talking about Drew Brees and the Saints, our NBC. I'm like, and then you guys mentioned our names. I was like, what the hell? Like, wow, I didn't know. I didn't know there was buzz about it. So uh, I was pretty excited when uh, when we both heard that. But uh, for me, last year it was my 13th year in Miami. I ended up tearing the Liz Frank ligaments in my foot and was sidelined. Uh, played seven games, so it was 
at home for a majority of the season, uh, hanging out with the family, trying to figure out, all right, uh, is it time to transition? Do I have another year left? What's this rehab process going to be like? And I think kind of those questions were answered for myself. I think rehabbing it, um, the pain I was dealing with in my foot led to pain in my knee because of the inactivity on the right side. And, you know, the whole hip bone connected to the knee, but all of that stuff. And I think as I got older and I was trying to come back, it just didn't feel great. And um, went down to the boot camp, uh, did well on it. Uh, the Dolphins put on a business combine that I was a part of, just kind of trying to think about post-football career and transitioning. I think mentally for me, um, I was in a, a great place because physically I knew it was going to be tough to come back. But mentally, I think I had come to peace of just like, hey, I think it's time to move on. Uh, for my own career, and I think for my family's sake, uh, we, we've been able to settle down now in New Jersey. So when you were playing, Jason, what did you envision as a career? Was it being sort of a, 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 as a broadcasting career? Was it being in a studio like, 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 a, a, like you're going to be doing, or is it at games? Like, where do you hope this goes? It definitely wasn't at games. Uh, I'll tell you this. When I got to the boot camp in those first day, the first kind of day, day and a half where you're just kind of in the classroom and you're learning some things. And uh, they're like, yeah, you guys are going to be calling a game. And it's just like everybody in the boot camp, all of us, that was kind of the thing that we were most freaked out about because I think the studio stuff, whether it was doing a podcast with my brother, those are the things that feel at most like a locker room. Like you're just sitting around, you're talking ball and, and the whole nine, I think calling a game was a whole nother atmosphere. It was just like, the adrenaline, everything that goes into it, trying to get a whole sound bite into 20 seconds. And for me, when I got a chance to actually do it, I was just like, wow, like this gets the juices going. I feel like I'm almost in a game and you have to make those decisions on what you're going to say and all of it's happening so fast and you do it. And whether it was good or bad, you have to move on to the next play because there's going to be something else to analyze and give input on. So I would say, uh, I think when I thought about the, the standpoint of, hey, I could possibly do broadcasting, it was always in a studio of something kind of laid back, talking sports and, and being able to have some, um, be able to relate it to life a little bit. Now, I did a little scouting report on you before you got on here. And what I was told is you're a great storyteller. So I want to just delve in a little bit. First off, first question before you, you, you know, ask for a story here is when you heard Tom Brady was going to go into broadcasting what was your first reaction having played with them and know them pretty well one i think you guys reported it and it was the the number that followed um when he was going to go into broadcasting it was just like man if i could have just played a little bit better played more like tom brady <laughs> i could be making a lot more money hey jason <laughs> so andrew and i uh, think the same thing too like if only we had done something better exactly <laughs> seven rings and I, I hear that i think for for tom i think for me being able to share that locker room with him uh, a special guy. Obviously, uh, the greatness on the field is what's often talked about, but I think who he is as a person, I think if he gets a chance to be in front of the TV screen, so many people will like him and enjoy him. Uh, just seeing how down to earth and how much of just a normal human being he is. I think sometimes when we, whether it's a Tom Brady, a LeBron James, those people that are in that class uh, of athletes, we sometimes put them in a boat and put them on a pedestal and think of them as something different than just being a guy sitting around talking sports. And I think Tom has that level of humility to him that I think when people get a chance to really see him in that light, uh, it'll be something special. What's your best Tom Brady story? Oh man. Um, I would say probably the one I talked about it on the show. Uh, it, it involves my son. 
Um, he's my son and my oldest, they're humongous Tom Brady fans. Obviously, as a kid, you like winning, Tom wins. So my son often will talk trash to me about how Tom Brady's so much of a better football player than me. The only reason I won a Super Bowl and that their uncle won Super Bowls is because he got a chance to play with Tom Brady. Um, so in the offseason, my son is now he likes football. So this is last offseason. We're throwing the ball around and I'm teaching him kind of in a route tree. So we run like a hitch and go, which is a stop and then go. And I throw him the long, a long pass and he, he's able to catch it. So he comes back. He's like, Dad, can we send this to Tom Brady? And I'm just like, oh, you know, like Tom's busy. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like Tom opens up his phone and just, all right, McCordy sending me pictures. All right, cute kid. I was like, all right, come on, you make a video. So he made a video like, hey, Tom Brady, I'm your favorite play. I'm your favorite fan. Hopefully one day I can play for the Buccaneers. I hope you like my route. So I sent it to Tom and a few hours later, sends back a message like, man, this is so awesome. Tell him, keep up the routes. One day I hope to throw him a pass. Like my son lit up, ran around the house, was so excited. And just those small things. I mean, the guy's busy. He didn't have to take the time to respond to a message, but that's kind of, who he is. And uh, so for me to like that, that's Brady in a nutshell. And I could probably go on about um, me, Steph and J Stephon Gilmore and JC Jackson intercepting him three state times and one-on-ones once and him uh, cursing out the wide receivers. But that's a, another story for that's another. Perfect. Well, I got it. We need to break some news here. How old is your son and when will he be in the NFL? So we know how much longer Brady's going to play. <laughs> He's six years. So Brady got, he got some time. I don't know if Giselle's going to let him play for that long, though. I don't know. I don't know if he can hold off. Hey, Jason, see, on the pod, Marshan's like the nice guy. Like, I don't want a Brady story. I want a Belichick story. What's your best <laughs> Belichick story? Man, um, when I first got to the team, um, Bill could not tell uh, me and Dev apart. So all throughout my first training camp there, like, I'm just dead. And I guess over the years, he said Devin so much that he's just calling us both Devin, man. One day after practice, and he goes, I mean, you you guys, you you wear the same sleeves every day. Like, how am I supposed to know? Because we both wore long sleeves. And sometimes, I guess, we would wear the same color on a certain day. From that point on, we wore the same exact color sleeves in training camp practice. <laughs> if we wore tights, we wore the same exact color tights, same cleats. We tried to make sure every single practice, we wore the same exact thing just to make sure we messed them up. And he would make notice of it. So um, Bill, he got a, he got a kick out of it. I think he really enjoyed uh, coaching Devin and myself. You know, both uh, his sons Brian and Steve are there on the coaching staff. So that that family dynamic, I think, was a, a lot of fun. And uh, we often uh, poke fun and made fun of the fact that he could not tell us apart that first year. You know, Jason, I love talking to uh, former athletes about sort of their relationship with the media when they were playing. Uh, how, do you, how did you approach media members uh, at the various teams that you were at? Did it, and did that change over time? Um, I would definitely say it changed. I think early on, coming from college, and then I was there with Shiano, and it was always, and I think just the college message is, is always aimed to be so uniform. Like, hey, as a team, this may be the team we're playing this week. This is what we want to say to the media. And the media is going to try to trick you. You're going to have people there that are going to, try to convince you to say different things. And you were always kind of fearful of like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want coach to talk about me. So I would say as I got to the league and as the years went by and you actually start to develop relationships with people and talk to people, you're just like, oh, 
he's not a bad human being or she's not too bad. And you start to develop some friendships to, to a certain extent. And I think for me, you got to see that side of it as I remember doing my own radio show while I was in Nashville and doing it with John Glennon. Um, and you get to meet people and you get to know these people and you're talking to them about the families and everything else. And you realize that they just have a job to do. They may love you as a person, but if I go out there and get beat for three touchdowns and we lose the game in overtime and I gave up the game winning touchdown, like it's their responsibility, whether on air or in print, to say what just happened. So I think for me, throughout the course of my career, I was able to kind of learn that and not hold a grudge because somebody says something bad about me. And I think to that extent, too, if you felt like somebody said something personal that was not needed, have the ability to say to them, like, man, you didn't, you didn't need to say that. My contract has nothing to do with this, that, or third, or whatever the case may be. So I think now on the other side of it, it allows me to think about those things as I'm trying to do it, but also knowing that I have to be honest and there might be a twin brother out there stinking it up that I may have to talk bad about on a Monday morning. Now, what, day, what time every day will you get up to go to for good morning football? So I'm up probably every morning, like five, like 4.45. Car leaves the house around 5.15-ish to get into the city. Okay. And so, you know, when you thought about doing this, like that was something that I know other guys, they've, you know, thought about and, you know, tried to hire um, over the years since Nate Burleson left. Um, mm -hmm. That was, that's a tough one. Like, what was your thinking with that in terms of, you know, making that your life? Because that's a real Less job. That's a real job getting up that early. Let's let's try to see how it goes. Uh, I think uh, for me, that was um, definitely initially a fear, not only the early wake up, but you just leave football. And now this is something that is, again, five days a week. And it's a grind. It's not like you don't just show up and seven o'clock hits and it's just like, all right, Jamie, Kyle, Peter, what are we talking about today? Let's roll it out and just come up with some topics and, and go. And like, no, nah, we start to get emails the day before late afternoon to early evening and these are some of the topics you may have like hey i don't like that topic let's go this route or it may just be like oh man i love this topic but i have to gather some information so i know what i'm talking about so it's a grind there's work uh, a ton of work that goes into it especially uh starting out i say it all the time as i listen to my three other co-hosts um they've been doing it for a long time so they have already an encyclopedia of knowledge of watching football, the NFL. Jamie was in college and, and two in the NFL a little bit too. So they're prepared for a lot of these things. For me, playing the game and studying the game is two totally different things. I know my opponents, the ins and outs of maybe what an offensive coordinator does, which doesn't always apply to TV. So trying to wrap it around and figure out the avenues and what to say. Uh, but I'm enjoying it so far. I think uh, the NFL was a grind, and I think that's kind of a part of who I am. I don't think I could have just retired and said, hey, I'm just going to kick back and, and do whatever. This job allows me, yes, early wake-ups. I can pick the kids up from school every day. We can play every afternoon. So it grants me the freedom to still be able to uh, be a good father, and uh, hopefully my wife would say so, uh, attempt to continue to be a good husband. Right, Jason, I only have one more question, too, and I know you're good morning football, but I want to stick with college because this is like the Big Ten uh, podcast here. When you were playing, what's the team that you most like to beat? Mm, wow. Um, most like to beat. It would definitely be in the Big East. Uh, uh, we always used to say the Big East was like our version of the NFL because the teams were so easily kind of competitive and 
so close, man. The games we used to play against um, probably UConn were just back and forth. They would beat us, then we would beat them. Um, but the one team, I can't say I never beat them, so, but West Virginia. We lost to them every single year I was in college under Cociano. Rich Rodriguez was there. Uh, Pat White, Steve Slayton, Noel Devine, uh, Darius Raynard, like those guys, we wore black jerseys one year at home and were fired up. We were unveiling our black jerseys. We lost 35 to zip. And I don't know if Shannon's ever put the black jerseys back on. So uh, West Virginia was the one team I'd never beat that just still, it, it bothers me to this day. The Mountaineers, I love it. Jason, yeah. thank you very much for joining us. Good luck uh, with Good Morning Football. And uh, uh, Marshan, you're gonna give him your Venmo, right? I'll give you my Venmo. You can, you know what? Don't worry about it. this. One's on me. Uh, <laughs> I've only heard you're a good guy. So, uh, you know, I like, I don't think anything to do with it. Of course, uh, them hiring you, but look, really what I really want to say is though, congrats on an amazing playing career because you were a six you. draft choice uh, to be in the league as long as you want, get a ring uh, and tell your son you earned that ring. All right. Yeah. It's yeah, not so Tom Brady. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I read your backstory too. Like it wasn't like uh, coming out. Everyone was like, Oh, you know, this guy, like you slipped or anything. It, you know, I don't think you were on yeah. a lot of radars and then you uh, yeah. had such a long career. Now. Good morning. Football. I'm still, I'm still waiting for Dev to send me a, a check from me getting drafted first and actually succeeding and him coming out getting drafted in the first round. So I'm still waiting on that. Here it is 13 years later. So you may still be waiting for me to send over that Venmo as well. All right, there you go. All right, well, you wait. When he pays you, you can pay me. All right, sounds good. Exactly. exactly. Everything. Thank you very much. See you guys. Appreciate it. Andrew, that to me shows the power of the NFL boot camp. I mean, I used to write about it every year. I haven't written about it in a while, but it does get uh, athletes, NFL athletes, used to talking and used to being on camera. And I, I just, that, that was proof positive of, uh, of why that works, I think. A hundred percent. And you could see why NFL Network and Good Morning Football, um, you know, hired Jason McCordy because you could just see the personality. I was told great story. If you watch already, you can see it. That chemistry starting to come together. And look, that's an important show, right? It gets pretty good numbers, but the people who watch are in the NFL. I mean, that's the, the the show of choice for the NFL. It's on in all the front offices and the players watch it. And so you're front and center. And if you're a guy like Jason McCourty, your voice is going to be heard. Um, you know, if you have opinions and you know how things are done, I think that's an enviable position you want to be uh, in. Uh, and he, he had an excellent career, you know, like, I don't think, you know, he's not going to be a hall of fame or anything like that, had an excellent career. Um, but to get into that position and to be willing to wake up that early, um, I think it's a, it's a very good spot that he could potentially, if he can, you know, likes waking up that early, uh, if he can, you know, deal with that, I uh, could do for a long time. So uh, we appreciate him joining us. Uh, let's finish right, it up, John. Yeah. Let's head to call of the week. Call of the week. All right, Andrew, here's our clip. It's CBS and the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour was in Greensboro, but for CBS, it was the end of Nick Faldo's 16-year run as a color commentator. Okay. You got this. So I was in a boat in Ireland, and uh, they gave me a call and said, how would you like to sit next to Jim Nance? I literally fell out the boat. I really did. <laughs> there was 206, and here we are 16 years later. <laughs> oh, shit. You're Thanks to all the crew. 
you're the, as I affectionately and respectfully call you the workers. They put the pictures out. We do the rattling. We have an easy job. Mm -hmm. Thank you all. Um, Means I'm a, a single child, and I've found at 65 three brothers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Bless you. I thought it was great TV because I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting Nick Faldo, Sir Nick Faldo, to break down and, and, and cry on air. It's why he connected with a lot of viewers. It, it showed just a, a different side of him. As that was happening, I was watching intently, and it was like, a, that's what you want, want from TV. I just... I. I here's to Nick Faldo. Yeah, it was, it was a lot, um, <laughs> but it was nice. I mean, Nick Faldo, I do think for him, it's probably emotional, you know, he's been playing tournaments and then being at the tournaments for a long time. And now he's going to step aside. Um, you know, I did think, you know, it was a little over the top, I would say a little bit, but, but it was, it was nice and a nice send off for, for Faldo. You know, I wonder if he could, could he have stayed, you know, done this part time. It seems like he really liked doing it, but he goes and, uh, they move on to Trevor Immelman uh, as their lead analyst. So Jim Nance really in the forefront, even more so. He already was, but even more so for their golf coverage. Yeah, and Nance, of course, is is you know the, the top golf play-by-play. Uh, -play. Are, are you play-by-play -play on golf? Is that what you, how you would describe more it? Of a host. I mean, I yeah. guess play-by-play, but it's more. I think of a host, host. I think host is a better way to describe that. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, he's he's a better host too. That's his kind of his specialty. He knows a lot about obviously golf it's different it's so slow you know and like you don't really do all the play like, like you think of the great calls you know Vern Lundquist has had a number of those calls over the years um where he was the play-by-play -play announcer on those things so it's it's a different animal than than in basketball or football or baseball um but uh but yeah but for uh Nick Felda hopefully uh he uh we see him around um yeah. you know as, as we go forward well, Andrew, uh, we come to the end of the pod. It's another. It's a busy week. We both have to go work the phones. I know on a, on the, the big story that's happening. I want to thank everybody for listening to the end. Uh, I want to encourage people to please go to uh, the, uh, the Apple reviews, five star review, write a nice comment. We're Spotify told that too. helps. Spotify too. Spotify and all the other ones as well. Oh, do, do they have comments on this on Spotify? Oh, I think they all have. I don't know. We, some people have gotten to me. They need a tutorial about how to make the comments and stuff. But we do appreciate <laughs> all. There've been some really nice. We ones. can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not going to explain it to you here. You just Google it or something. But uh, but yes, that's important. If you can do that, we appreciate that. We appreciate Jason McCordy, and then our producers. Chris Mason, who puts it all together and ECY to oversees everything. Uh, we appreciate them every week. And next week, John, we're going to have Michael Nathanson from Moffitt Nathanson uh, as we're going to do a little big picture podcast. Uh, we're both off next week. So instead, we're going to, we're still going to have it. You're still going to have your podcast, go to your pods, wherever you find your podcast, but we're going to do a big picture thing, really talk about the state of the business, what ESPN's doing, what Amazon's doing, what CBS is doing, all those, who he likes, who he doesn't like, and who, you know, what we like, what we don't like. So a little bit different, uh, but you're still going to get your pod. Uh, I think we'll have some fun with that. So we're looking yeah, I'm a fanboy of Michael Nathanson, so I can't, I can't wait for that. I probably quoted him more than anybody else on this pod. So I, that, that'll be a lot of fun. Nice. Looking forward to it. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody.